Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we've come to verses 8 through 12. And from that passage, I want to bring you a message this morning that I call Every Christian's Calling. Remember that Peter is addressing those displaced believers who under the cruel reign of Nero have been forced to leave Rome, Nero having engaged in the persecution of Christians and Christianity. The particular ones to whom Peter is writing are those who have settled in the general area of the modern day nation of Turkey. He's encouraging them to be sure that they live like Christians and that even though they are persecuted and even though they are hated because of their faith and they are misrepresented in the world as believers, they still should understand and remember that as believers we are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit compels us to be obedient to Christ, even in difficult circumstances. And our Christian testimony and behavior will come out from us in the way that we live. And those who are around us will take note that Christians are different from the rest of the world. And as God calls those to himself, in that area because we learned that God placed them there and that they are the seed scatterers. They are the diaspora. They are the, the ones who are carrying the, the seed of the gospel into an area of the world that uh, hasn't so much had it. You remember Paul went to Macedonia and he went westward in his missionary effort. But these Christians from Rome have been compelled by God to go eastward. And so there they will present Christ to an unbelieving world through the way they live. And those whom God calls to himself will be drawn to Christ through the behavioral testimony of these believers. Most recently we have seen how They are how they are to act as civilians, as people who are members of society, how they are to act, number two, as employees who work under the authority of another, and then last time, how we are to act within the household, the structure of the household. It takes a deeper and another turn into the lives of these Christians who are there presenting Christ through the way that they live to those who are in that part of the world. Every Christian's calling. So we're in verses 8 through 12. First of all, I want us to note the six characteristics of committed Christians that Peter 
presents to them. Finally, let all be. This, this is a sixfold description of the Christian attitude. If you're in Christ, these characteristics are part of who you are. In Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, obedient to the Lord, students of the Scripture, disciples of Jesus This is how we present ourselves. So there are six things, six ways, six characteristics that he lists. So first of all, let all be, number one, single-minded. The Greek word up there as Peter wrote it, homophrones. Homo means the same. And the last part, phrones comes from a Greek word that means mindset or intent. So Christians, wherever we are, whenever we are, are to understand that we are to be single-minded. We are to be unified. We are to be in unity as believers. Debbie Criswell tells a story. About a particular Baptist church. And you know Baptist churches are notorious for that monthly business meeting. To every pastor that I've ever known, it's a scary thing. You never know what to expect when you go into the business meeting of a Baptist church. So it was, the, it was the monthly business meeting of this particular Baptist church. The, the building and maintenance committee had met since the last time. They drew a conclusion that there was a need and they presented that need to the finance committee. And dutifully so, the finance committee stood in the time of committee reports and made the recommendation to the church. We recommend as your finance committee that the church buy a chandelier. Every church has one of these guys, the, the againer, the guy who is opposed to everything. But he's especially opposed. You know, you drop in a knot because whenever there's a big recommendation, you know that old brother Sourpuss over there, he's going to stand up and oppose it. You, You just wait. You can write it into the order of worship. He stands up now and opposes. Sure enough, the finance committee said, we recommend and bring it to the church that we purchase a chandelier. Brother Opposer stood up. Oh no, I'm adamantly opposed to this. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. Number one, it's too much. That's too much money for us to spend. Number two, We don't have anybody who can play one of those things. (laughs) 
But number three, above everything else, what we need is more lights in this church. That is not single-mindedness. Sometimes the best route is to say, you know, God places people in positions of influence or whatever, and it just might be that they, they know something that I don't know. And pray about it and see how it happens. Peter encourages number one of these six characteristics that they be in unity, that they be single-minded in what they do. Number two, to be sympathetic. Sympathes, Greek word. Soon means together with. And pathes comes from a, comes from a word that that, uh, that means to be, uh, it means to be, to suffer emotionally or to suffer within yourself. So we are to, we are to suffer with others who are suffering and to be in the likeness of that suffering, that we're to be with them in whatever they do. So uh, the second characteristic is that Christians are noted for the fact that when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When one of us has a severe need, we all have a severe need. And we cannot be all that we are supposed to be in Christ until we come together and are sympathetic with one another, especially those who are deeply suffering either emotionally or in, in some other way. The third characteristic to be loving as brothers. Philadelphia. Phileo means family type love, natural love. Adelphos means brother. So, Philadelphia means brotherly love. To have a natural, instinctive, basic love for one another. You love each other like brothers and sisters. This is who you are in Christ. The fourth characteristic is to be tender-hearted. That word you means good and it comes from a word that means um, it actually means bowels, <laughs> um, that your internal organs are such that they just have an effect in, within you, within your innermost being, that you have this warm, fuzzy feeling toward brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> that you're just drawn warmly, tenderly, deeply in your heart to other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. The fifth characteristic is that 
They're to be humble, Christian, committed Christians. Pride is destructive. There, there is no room for pride. We're taught that it goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. One can never stand within the congregation of believers as someone filled with selfish pride because that doesn't belong in the body of Christ. And so it's finally rejected. We're to be humble with one another, to put one another ahead of ourselves, to think of ourselves last and not first. The sixth characteristic, not, pay, not repaying evil for evil or insult for insult. Don't get back at people that you may think have done something harmful to you. Don't get back at them. Matter of fact, how many times have I seen in the course of my ministry over these decades where, where a lot of time, most of the times, people who had a vengeful spirit got the whole thing wrong to begin with. They misunderstood what the other person was doing or saying or attempting. They didn't have all the facts. They just responded out of pride, out of a hard heart, without sympathy, without brotherly love. They just responded such that they wanted to get back at somebody. That's not a characteristic of a committed Christian. Committed Christians will display these six and others, but these six mentioned by Peter who writes to these Christians in that place that today is called Turkey. And they're scattered about in those areas that we discussed in chapter one. So here, six characteristics of committed Christians. But the crux of this thing comes here in the next session. Section. We're called to bless. We're called to bless one another, to be a blessing to one another. Not to be a curse, but to be a blessing to one another. Here goes, look. But on the contrary, be a blessing. Because to this, you were called. The, the heavy hand of God, which was laid upon me, calling me into the gospel ministry, I had been convicted and publicly professed Christ some years earlier as a child, 10 years old, but I was, I was actually 16. I remember it like it was this morning. I was in a youth camp and the camp pastor gave a call that there might be young men there who were called. And I want you to know it was like nothing. I, I always sat, I don't care, I always sit on the back pew. I'm kind of a hypocrite. <laughs> 
I may not want you to sit that far back, but I will. I'm afraid somebody's going to call on me to do something or look at me. That's how I was as a teenager. I didn't want nobody to know I was there. I was behind the church mice. And he issued that call from the altar after issuing the call for salvation. Then he came and said, it might be that there are young men here tonight whom God is calling into the ministry. There was a tunnel between me and that altar. And I saw nothing else but that camp pastor who was extending the call. And if you'd have known me in those days, you'd have known that I would have never done this on my own. And I was just drawn. Spent the next 10 years or so running from it. Now, that's a certain kind of call. But did you know that every Christian, now that's the call into ministry. But did you know that every Christian is called, has a calling. Did you know that? You are called by God. Here it is. Be a blessing because to this you were called. Let's reflect upon the, the, the original text, the original Greek text, just how the apostles wrote it when they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and it came from their pen it came in the Koine Greek language. That was the original way they wrote the New Testament. There are three very important words that are related to one another in the New Testament. The first word is church. It comes from the Greek word ekklesia. Ek means out from. Kaleo means to call. So the church is a called out assembly, called out from the world. That's the church, called out from the world. Your Christian life began with a call from God Almighty. The next word we see in the New Testament is the word elect. To be in Christ to be within the church is to be of the elect. Eclectos. Outcalled or called out from among a number. That's elect. That word is another form of the root from whence comes the word church. So the church, the elect of God, because we have been called out from among a number. Then the other word is here. The root of it is ekleo, and it means, uh, and the form here is ekleithete, you were called. You have a calling in your life. That is, that is what you are in Christ, thus you are a member of the church, you are part of the church, and thus you are the elect of God. Those are, those are Bible words. They're all, they're all very similar and they refer to the same thing. To the fact that God calls us. We can't call ourselves. 
God calls us. Now he's speaking to the foundation of their faith in Christ, Peter is, when he says to them, be a blessing. Because to this, to be a blessing, you were called. This is, this is your calling. Let's go back. Let's look at it. Here it is. You are called to be single-minded with other believers. That's the calling of God in the life of a Christian. You are called to be sympathetic. You're called to be loving as brothers. You're called to be tender-hearted. You're called to be humble. You're called not to repay evil for evil and not to repay insult from insult. You're called to be a blessing. To this you were called. That form of the Greek word is what's called in the, it's, uh, it's in the aorist passive. And it's imperfect, which means it's ongoing. To be imperfect means it just keeps going. To be in the aorist means that it happened. It was, it was a thing that happened. And then to be in the passive means that it was, it was acted upon you. You didn't act this upon yourself. It came from an external source. God acted upon you to call you. It's God's calling in your life. It's, 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 you, you can't just stand up and say, I'm going to do this as a Christian. I'm gonna. It is God who calls you to do these things. This is the call of God. So wrapped up in your call... To Christ, to come to Christ, wrapped up in that call are these characteristics thus that we might be a blessing to one another. Am I all, begs the question for those of us in Christ, am I always seeking to be a blessing to my brothers and my sisters who are in Christ? Am I a blessing? Well, we should, should certainly hope so. Individually, this is what we are called to do. Be a blessing because to this you were called so that you should inherit blessing. Blessing upon blessing. Blessing upon blessing. Blessing, blessing. Blessing, blessing. It is the call of God for us to be a blessing. And it's the call of God to inherit blessing. We are blessed. We know how to interpret blessings in our lives. We don't interpret blessings the way that the world would interpret so-called blessings. We know that a blessing that comes upon us, the blessings that come upon us are those deep and rich things that are grace and mercy and peace, inherent wisdom and uh, patience, love, understanding. To be, a to be a blessing and to be blessed by God. To be blessed so that we can live this way in this world and then finally have the great inheritance to which God is ultimately calling us. We are called to bless. 
Every one of us. We all start there. That's, that's our calling in Christ. This is just like the reality later in my life after being saved, just like my calling into the ministry, specific thing. Well, before that happened to me, as, as I was called to Christ, I was called specifically to be a blessing and to be a blessing in these ways. And of course, that preceded my call into proclaiming the gospel and preaching and teaching the scriptures into the pastoral work of how it's described in the New Testament. Now, number two, we're called to bless. Why? Two reasons. God says it and God sees it. Those are the two reasons. Why am I called to be a boy? Why? Why are these characteristics to be prevalent in my life? Why? Number one, because God says so in his word. And number two, because God sees us. And he knows everything that there is to know about us. Let's read this. This is actually Peter quoting the 34th Psalm. Verses 12 through 16. So why? why? Why am I called to be a blessing? Why am I called in certain characteristic ways to behave as a Christian, to live as a believer? Here he goes. The one desiring to love life and to see good days, let him keep the tongue from evil. And lips from speaking deceit. Let him also turn away from evil. And let him do good. Let him seek peace and let him pursue it. Because God is watching. Here he goes. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears toward their prayer. However, the face of the Lord is against those doing evil. When my children were younger, they were all at home. We would take these family trips to Walmart or Galleria. I don't even know if the gallery is still standing or not, but it was back then. I got a joke about that, but I won't tell it. <laughs> Maybe I will. We go in Walmart. My children were under instruction and severe observation by me. Keep your hands to yourself. Stop that. I'll slap you in the next week. Don't do that. I'm going to pinch your ear off. I'm going to thump you right across the eyebrow. Stop it. So they'd walk like this, you know. Here comes this heathen bunch of kids. They're loud. They're touching everything. Turning stuff over. 
being disrespectful to everything and everybody, I wasn't concerned about that. I was watching my own kids. Those were the ones with whom I was concerned. This is what the Lord says. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, the saved. Project that to New Testament language. It's Christians, Christianity. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears toward their prayer. I would be listening and my kids would say, you know how it is. They want everything. There's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no way. It was always an unpleasant thing for all of us. <laughs> I was the againer in Walmart. I opposed everything. Oh, look, I want that. Stop it. Turn that loose. Can't have that. It's too much. Leave it alone. No. Can't. No. These other kids raking it off of the shelf, throwing it in the basket, and the mama said, quit. Don't do that. Uh-uh, darling. Don't. You don't. You don't. <laughs> darling comes another time, but not in Walmart. Or in the, not when old daddy is around. Because my eyes were on my kids. This is how it is with God toward his own. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears toward their prayer. The face of the Lord is against those doing evil. It's one thing to have your eyes and your ears focused in, but it's another thing to turn your face towards something. Back to that rowdy bunch of kids in Walmart. It wasn't my eyes and it wasn't my ears. It was my face. You bunch of little jerks. <laughs> you better leave my kids alone. If I was your mama. <laughs> I know what it means to turn your face against that which is evil and those who are evil. I've done it in Walmart before. <laughs> How many of you have been to the Galleria? It hurts until I can tell this. This old farmer man and his old farmer wife came from the depths of the farmland of Alabama making their first visit to the Galleria. And they had a son about 18 years old, full of vim and vigor, and they walked in. They'd never seen such bright lights and such flashing of things and all the stuff going on there. Oh, Paul, Ma wanted to go into the women's store there and look around. Paul goes, stands in front of the elevator at Galleria, which had beautiful, shiny mirror doors, bright lights inside and out. 
this old woman come along. She finally made her way into the elevator, the gallery. Those beautiful, lit up, shiny doors closed. And she was gone. He stood there and looked, and in just a minute, those doors opened up again, and out comes this beautiful, bright young woman. <laughs> and he looked at his son. He said, Boy, go get you, Mama. <laughs> Well, maybe his eyes were on the wrong stuff. <laughs> but here's why we're to be a blessing. Number one, God says so. And number two, God sees us. That's why. Every Christian's calling. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. And in confession of sin, call on him to save you. God is bound by his word to save you. Come to Christ. Who died to save us. Who lives to keep us. And who's coming again for us. Come to Christ. Just a moment we'll stand and we'll be dismissed. If God called you into his salvation today. As you exit these doors there are deacons and their wives waiting for you. Just as you exit you'll see them standing in the doors of those rooms. Just across the hall as you exit. They're waiting there to pray with you. Maybe you're being called by God to come into the membership of this church. They are prepared as well to pray with you and to talk to you about that. We'll take care of all those details. If that's what God wants in your life. But right now, prayerfully, would you stand all over this room?